Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing, amazing episode of For the Love of Money. This is one of these really high-energy episodes because I'm about to introduce and interview Yaya Bakar. Now, if you're not already following him, you need to because he will, just by his energy alone, by the way, when you walk into a room with him or when you hear him on a podcast, he will fire you up. He will make you go out and conquer the rest of the day when you came across him. So for that, for that one reason alone, you need to get really excited. Uh, also, we talk about some really cool things, such as how to be a world-class speaker. Now, before we do, I just want to remind you that if you are at all interested in up-leveling your tribe, into tapping into my circle of influence and all of my mentors and all the people that I run with in business that you see online and that you see us collaborating with and learning from, then the only way to do that is to access my mastermind. And my mastermind is for any entrepreneurs that have a traditional business that are multiple six-figure earners into those who have just gotten over seven figures and want to ultimately learn how to get securely into the multiple seven-figure range year after year after year after year by learning the fundamentals and the connections and the hacks and everything that you see people doing and you wonder, how are they doing that? So I carefully curate the year to make sure that you learn those things that you're missing. If you've ever wondered, like, how do people learn these things? They learn them by sharing ideas at Masterminds, and that's exactly what happens at this one. So if you're curious, go check it out at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, that is fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. And by the way, don't let that negative self-talk come into your head at all. If you are called to apply, I want you to click apply and get your application in there because I love seeing what all of you are up to. I love seeing your businesses. They inspire me. So go ahead, check it out. Be curious, look it all over for the love of money.com forward slash mastermind. And if you like it, click apply because the way I review the applications for the 2019 class are first come first serve. And so you definitely want to be towards the front of the line if you have an opportunity to do so. So I'm about to sit down and rock your world with Yaya Bakar. And if you've seen him interviewed before, if you've seen him speak live, especially, you know that he will literally just give you chills the way that he presents himself. You can feel his energy across a microphone, not to mention, especially in person. He's one of the most sought after confidence and speaking coaches out there right now. He's, he literally works with the biggest names out there. A lot of these A-lister influencers that you see, he teaches them how to better craft their story, how to tell it from stage better, how to sell from stage better. And we're going to teach you all of those things as well. You know, he also addresses how to wake up when you're on the wrong path because his story is exactly that. Now, you're going to find inspiration in that to wake up if you think you might be going the wrong, down the wrong path. We're going to talk about where confidence really comes from. I think that's going to, in return, give you, the listener, a lot more confidence. And you're really going to love this part. You know, we talk a lot about money, right? So after a really diverse religious upbringing, you're going to love his viewpoints on how he views money. Just wait. You'll hear it in a story. You're going to love it. And of course, as promised, we teach you how to be a world-class speaker, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or whether it's to an entire audience or anything in between. So, so get ready because this is one of those episodes that can have a huge, massive impact 
in your business. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, my man, my brother, how you been? Oh, man, I'm so excited. I'm doing well, brother. Honored to be here. You know what's funny? Leading up to this thing, I thought this might be the most high energy of all the guests I have ever had. <laughs> I love it. Can't wait. I'm, I'm the energy man, bro. I'm like the energizer bunny. Can I, can I confess something to you? Like, I, you sure. know, normally I start with rapid fire, but let's just go right into this once. When I very first met you in the mastermind, I mm. thought, who is this loud mother trucker? Just like <laughs> center of attention. This guy can't be for real. This is a show. And it took me about 10 minutes to end up loving you and realizing this is really you. But at first, you must have been mirroring something for me. Uh, you know, maybe it's that I want to be as loud as you. Maybe it's that I want to be as um, outspoken as you or be an extrovert, you know, because I label myself as an introvert. It must have mirrored something for me that gave me that reaction. So you've given me permission in life to just be louder and bigger. Dude, you have no idea how much that means to me that you shared that because that was one of my biggest fears was like giving myself permission to be unapologetically self-expressed and being perfectly imperfect. And as I am, cause I can be pretty obnoxious and pretty loud and be the center of attention. I was always afraid of that, but like me doing that and you saying like that after, after the 10 minutes of like whatever it was right for you to give yourself permission to to show up as you are because you deserve that spotlight, that makes me so fucking happy, man. I'm so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That means the world, and I'm honored. I'm yeah. honored, honored by you, bro. For sure, for sure. And you know what? We're going to take the, the conversation in that direction of confidence and being unapologetic in a little bit. But typically, my show starts with rapid fire. It's just a, a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And if there's something really cool that comes up, we'll circle back to it and do a deep dive. How's that sound? Is it, is it normal for me to feel a little anxiety with this it rapid is. fire? You know what's funny? My guest yesterday <laughs> said the same thing. My guest yesterday said the same thing. So. You said it so quickly. I'm like, oh no, am I gonna, it's kind of like family feud, the last five minutes. It is, time. it is. Don't oh, forget, okay. don't forget, there's no such thing as a bad, uh, bad answer here. So yeah, we'll see how my wife feels about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. So let's start easy. Where'd you grow up? Saudi Arabia. Wow. Saudi Arabia. Where do you live yeah. now? I live in Hale, New Jersey. Awesome. What's your favorite quote? It takes a stronger person to be more loving than right. That's my, my quote. Ooh, so good. What is one of your superpowers? Ooh, uh, empathy through my energy. Dang, good answers. What's one of your favorite books? The Wisdom of the Enneagram. I don't think I've read that. Ooh, powerful. It's, it's a very revealing book. It's a very, very revealing book. So if you're not willing to grow, don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're on team growth over here. I'm totally going to check it out. What is one thing that you're afraid of right now or once in a while? Mm, wow, that's such a... I think... Oh, I think the, the one of my biggest fears or more so my concern is because of the relationship that I had or lack of relationship that I had with both my birth parents, my father, and my my biological mother. Uh, I think one of my biggest fears is that 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 relationship never heals mm -hmm. before they die, wow. you know, um, and so like, um, you know, I'm, I'm all about like healing my wounds and I, I, I do want to make sure hopefully that they get to a place of maturity in themselves as they grow and develop where we can have a mature conversation one day and put the past behind us. Sounds like a whole podcast in itself right there. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. is the one of your favorite speeches you've ever given? Man, these are great questions, bro. I love this shit. Um, whew. I think, okay, so 
I spoke in front of 5,000 students um, at a, an event called Count Me In, and uh, it was a nine-minute talk. And I just brought on the yaya energy, right? And it was just, I talked about a time where my my wife, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, we went on the tallest and fastest roller coaster in the world and how her head got stuck outside of that roller coaster before we actually began. Uh-uh. <laughs> Dude, a true story. If you Google it, or if you find like if you find yayabakar.com, you'll see that I talk about the video. It's the it's the best speech because when I do share my story and I share my message, there's a lot of emotions that go through it, like ups and downs. But that was just like a straight comedy skit. You know what I'm saying? And everybody was dying. It was hysterical. And I just love making fun of my wife because I love her so much. So <laughs> yeah, I would say that. I love it. Who is somebody who's changed your life? My wife. Uh, we've, we've been high school sweethearts. Uh, we've been together for 15 years. We just had our baby and I'll be honest, like I grew up, um, I grew up not knowing who I was, where I belonged. And she was, uh, she was in a lot of ways, my rock, my anchor. And I don't say that to be cheesy, but like she created a new possibility that I never thought was uh, worthy of someone like me. Mm, you know? So cool. What is one of your yeah. all time favorite accomplishments this far? Uh, my baby girl, my daughter, she's three months old. And, um, I, I think just growing up in the past that I've had with my family upbringing and being able to break the cycle of dysfunction and emotional immaturity that I grew up with and trying to, you know, create a legacy with now my new family and build a home and be the father that I never, I never had growing up. Like that's, that's huge for me. So yeah. that's my accomplishment. I love it. One regret you have. Um, oh, walking on eggshells for 25 years of my life pretending to be someone that I wasn't just to win the acceptance and approval of my family. Oh, we're going to totally go there. And last rapid fire question, what is something generous you've done recently? Um, I donated a $3,000 to a random person in the street. Dang, that's awesome. Okay, we're totally going there. I love it. Yeah. All right, so let's get a little bit deeper. You mentioned you were born in Saudi Arabia. You mentioned you had some turmoil growing up, a strained relationship with your family. Mm -hmm. But it really is a pretty inspirational story. So mm -hmm. would you mind sharing that story with everybody? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I was born in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, which is the holy land for Muslims all around the world. Uh, my dad is Syrian. My biological mother, she's from Thailand. Um, and, you know, a few months after I was born, um, they separated for whatever reason. And my dad got remarried a couple times. And uh, his, I believe his third wife uh, became my stepmother. And she was a U.S. citizen, but she grew up in Iraq. But because she was a U.S. citizen, she decided to raise me as her son because my dad had me when um, I think he was 20 years old and he couldn't really take care of me after uh, my biological mother and him split up. And so she decided to take care of me as her own. And I flew out to uh, Patterson, New Jersey uh, when I was five years old. I flew out by myself and I had no idea who my stepmom was. So she kind of like raised me like saying, hey, now I'm your mom. So wait, wait, wait. How did you fly out by yourself at five years old? Like who put yeah, you on they, the plane? Well, I guess my dad dropped me off to the plane and they had a stewardess and said, okay, he's a, he's a minor. Just make sure you take care of him. And, and that's how I, it was a 14 hour flight. from Saturday. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, talk about getting out of your comfort zone, right? At five. <laughs> At five, right, to a completely different country. Um, yeah, and so like, you know, when I when I grew up in America with my stepmom, I kind of like, I did not know how to fit in where I belonged exactly. I felt like I was a square peg trying to fit in, uh, you know, a round hole. So 
Um, I, I quickly learned to adapt to my environment to see what you know how I can easily be accepted and approved, and and that that was a skill set that helped me for a majority of my upbringing. You know, all the way till. Um, like there's so many details to my story, I'm trying to just be respectful of your audience, but like all the way until my t early teen years, my, I remember graduating eighth grade and my father and stepmother approached me and they said, Hey, we're, we're getting a divorce. And, uh, I had to make a decision. Do I live with my stepmom who raised me as her son for all those years? Or do I live with my father who was never really in the picture, but, um, you know, he's my blood and I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be with him. You know, as, as a young kid, I craved my father's uh, love and affection. And so I made a decision to move in with my father. Uh, and that broke my stepmother's heart. But, um, but when I moved in with my father, you know, my dad was, uh, business always came first, family came second. Mm -hmm. And so there were points in my, you know, when I, early on, like when I was 13 or 14 years old, where he, he was a travel agent. So he would travel and, he would give me like 300 bucks or a thousand bucks and say, okay, now you're a man, take care of yourself. And I would take, I'd have to take care of myself for a couple of months on my own, you know, with no one looking after me. And so obviously what did I do? I rebelled, you know, I started throwing parties at an early age and started doing like getting into drugs and just hanging around with the wrong people. And, um, and then, uh, what, that's when I met Kate. So I, I met her when I was 15 years old, and this was this was like at a at a turbulent time in my life, where I was just hanging out with the wrong people and all that weird stuff. And then I I, I met her, and she was uh, someone who was so classy, she was so herself, like she was true herself. Um, and <clears throat> I remember falling in love with her, and uh, one of my one of my father's friends found me like found out about my situation with her like I was growing out and in the Islamic faith I grew up I grew up a Muslim I'm, I'm not religious by any means today I'm more spiritual than religious uh, but I grew up as a Muslim and in the Islamic faith you're not allowed to date someone mm. at all like you're supposed to get engaged first and then you know uh, and then get married and so when when Kate and I were growing up I kind of like broke up with her because it was against the religion and I decided you know what I want to make my dad proud I'm gonna become super religious and so I remember reading like the Quran every night and praying five times a day and doing all that kind of stuff and my my girlfriend Kate she was so heartbroken that she she reached out to me she goes listen I love you teach me your ways and I started teaching her like about the Quran and everything like that and um and she would tell me she grew up in a Protestant and a, and a Catholic upbringing, and she would say, "Oh, that's what I, this is what I learned in Bible school. This is what I learned that." And I was trying to prove that's why when I when you said, "What is my favorite quote?" It takes a stronger person to be more loving than right. Mm -hmm. I was I was trying to prove how I was right based on my paradigm of my perspective of the world and why she was wrong. And she was just like as innocent as she is. She's like, "Well, this is what I learned," and you know, I'm curious. Why do you think it's wrong? And like just the way that she asked it, she just opened up my mind, and I was like, "You know what?" If I grew up in a completely different upbringing, at a completely different time, with a completely different family, who has a completely different faith, would I be as, quote-unquote, gung-ho about what I know to be certain in this moment? And the, the honest answer to that was no. I wouldn't – I don't know exactly. And so that opened me up uh, at very early age, around 15 years old. <clears throat> it opened me up to a world of um, self-discovery where I started reading a bunch of books. So like – I read the King James Version of the Bible, right, front to back, 
just to kind of understand my, my girlfriend's point of view. I, I ended up reading the Bhagavad Gita. I ended up reading the Tibetan Book of the Dead. I ended up reading the Talmud and the Torah, just so I can have a different perspective on all cultures and worldviews. So what shapes paradigms, what shapes people's perspectives in life. Um, and that kind of like opened me up on a journey of self-discovery. And, you know, since I was 15 years old, I'd have books on spiritual development, you know, personal development, relationship dynamics, health and fitness, anything that could help me become the best version of myself. And uh, but throughout it all, I never told my father about what my spiritual beliefs were because I was afraid of losing my relationship with him or whatever relationship I had left of him. And the only way that I could make him love me or accept me was uh, if, you know, I prayed five times a day, if, uh, you know, I told him that was like I Kate, she was a secret for five years in our relationship. Jeez. Yeah, dude. And so. Uh, it was, it, was, it just goes to show the um, the length that I went to just to pretend to be someone that I wasn't so I can win the love and acceptance of somebody else that I really, really care about that I thought loved me. And so that that went on, to be honest, <clears throat> without getting into like my professional career. Or, well, I, I guess I could get into that. After I graduated high school, um, I thought I was going to become like a personal trainer mm -hmm. because, you know – at the time when I was 14, 15 years old, another anchor for me was training. Training was like my therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll make a career out of this. But because I was the first person in my family, Middle Eastern family, to ever get an education in America, like the only options I had was like, you're either going to become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a doctor, a doctor, a do you see where I'm going with this, <laughs> yeah. right? So, I'll, so I was, they were like, okay, cool. I'm going to become a doctor. So because of my grades, I got a full scholarship to Arizona State University. And um, <clears throat> I went to Arizona State, was in school for like, probably like a good two months. And even though it was a full scholarship, I'm, I'm studying for my, or like, my, I'm, I'm taking my prerequisites, my physics, my biology, my chemistry. And I'm like, yo, I don't get this. Like, this is so stupid. Why am I studying so hard for something that I'm going to forget in a few months from now? Mm -hmm. Just so I can get a piece of A on a, on a paper, right? So, so I'm talking to Kate and we're in a long distance relationship. We did like a five year long distance relationship. So we're long distance at this time. She's in New Jersey. I'm in Arizona. And she's like, babe, what are you really passionate about? And I just said, Hmm, I look at my bookshelf. And as I said before, you know, I've been reading books about personal development, spirituality, health and fitness, all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, just for kicks and giggles, I went on Google and I typed in a uh, spiritual and personal development school. And I found this website, comes up, it's a name called Maharishi University of Management. It's like a very progressive, uh, hippie-like school. And I, I looked at it and the headline said, at that time it said, self-actualization through consciousness-based education. Mm. And I remember, I kid you not, I'm, laying, I'm, I'm like on top of my bed, but I get chills all over my body. I was like, oh my God, this is this is me all over it. Right. So I I take a look at the school. It turns out they had like a visitor's weekend where they would pay you to come visit it for visit the school for the weekend. And the school was in Iowa, right? <laughs> and the only thing I know about Iowa, no offense to anybody who's listening who's from Iowa, but the Jersey in me was like, Iowa, all I know is corns and cows. <laughs> right. So I'm like, what the hell am I gonna do in Iowa? But I was like, all right, let me just Reserve my judgment. I'll go visit the school in Iowa. And I, I went there. It was Maharishi University Management. And I, I kid you not, that weekend was such an amazing, eye-opening weekend. There are 70 different uh, – there are students from 70 different countries. And the whole uh, 
the whole culture of the school was the world is our family and harmony exists in our in diversity. And so I fell in love with it because I'm a hippie at heart. So I was like, oh my God, this, the cool thing about the school was instead of giving you a report card, they would uh, – Every single every quarter, they would put like uh, an EEG, like electroencephalograph, on your like uh, on your head to measure your brain waves to see how coherent your brain activity would be because they would have you meditate twice a day as part of the curriculum. Wow, that's insane. Uh, okay, so wait, uh, I gotta I, I, I gotta ask you like this really eclectic upbringing that you had. What yeah. effect did it have on your drive to succeed? Well, well, one it was like okay, cool. It's interesting because I had like. I had a double person, a split personality. There was this one where I'm like, you know, all right, cool. I'm going to become this doctor to make my family super proud of me, especially my dad, right? Because I don't want to let him down. But this other part of me that was like, I'm on this path of personal development and achieving my full potential, right? So it's like, but, but they're almost like, it was weird because as I'm pursuing what my family wanted for me, there's this other drive in me that I wanted to pursue what I really wanted for myself mm. behind closed doors, yep. right? So it's like, so it, it, it was like the school, I could have still became a doctor. I could have taken my prerequisites, but um, it was like, it was more yaya-ish, if that makes any sense, mm -hmm. right? So I went back to Arizona and then I was like, all right, I got to make a decision. Do I stay in Arizona? I have a full scholarship. I'm staying at my stepmom's house because I'm living with my stepmom at this time and everything's taken care of. Or do I go to the school in Iowa where you meditate twice a day and you're going to be surrounded by corn and cows, right? So I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to leave Arizona. I went to Iowa, was majored in physiology and health fall in love with the school, fast forward one semester left until I'm supposed to graduate with my degree in physiology and health. I have this moment and everybody who's listening to this, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have a similar moment. This, the circumstance might be different, but we've all had a similar situation here where it's like, for me, my professor was speaking, his name is Professor Liram, and we're in organic chemistry class and it was almost his voice, almost like the volume went down and the voice in my head went really high. And all I can hear in my, my head was, yo, this is not for you. You're doing this for your family. And it was like a wake up call. Like somebody slapped me in the face and everything, my whole demeanor, my whole physiology changed. And I just walked out of the class. I went to my dorm room. I cried in fetal position in the corner of my room because I'm a type A personality. I don't have a plan B. All I had was I'm going to become a doctor, mm -hmm. right? My dad is going to be proud of me. Everybody, I built my reputation. This was, this was it. And I remember as I was crying, I was like, what am I supposed to do? Because the, the voice was so clear for me, right? It wasn't like the, that nagging thing. It was like right there, like, yo, this is not for you. Stop living a lie, Damn. right? And so I go to my guidance counselor and I say, listen, I know this is crazy. I know I have one semester left until I'm supposed to get my degree, but I'm dropping out. Wow. And she's like, what? What do you mean you're dropping out? And I was like, my gut, my heart is telling me that this is, I have, I have to leave. And she starts laughing and she's like, yeah, yeah that's stupid. Like, don't, don't drop out. You're $50,000 of debt, right? Just finish, finish, just get your degree. I was like, I can't, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't. So I legit leave Iowa. I go to New Jersey where my dad and his wife and my, my younger brothers and sisters are staying. And I knock on the door <clears throat> and I and I tell my dad, I'm like, dad, I'm, I'm, I decided I'm not going to become a doctor. And he just flips out. Oh. Like, 
flips the fuck out. He goes crazy. And he's like, if you don't go finish what you're starting, you're never allowed in this house anymore. And so I like, I'm stuck in a situation where I don't want to be out of integrity, mm-hmm. you know? And I told him, I was like, dad, like, I just need to follow my heart. And he's like, what is this heart talk? What is this heart talk? Stupid. Go finish what you started. And so res- I respected where he came from, but I'm, I'm not, I wasn't going to go back because I already made a decision and I was clear about that decision. So one of my friends heard about my situation. His name is Mike. And he grew up in a traditional Italian family from Naples. And he hears about my situation. He's like, bro, you know, my house is your house. Like, come, come, you know, take care of yourself until you get yourself together. You can stay in my house. Problem was, it wasn't his house. It was his parents' house, right? So I walk in the door, and his mom is in the kitchen. She's like making some pasta or something like that. <laughs> and, and then Mike says, "Hey, Ma, Yai is gonna stay in our house until he can get himself together." Oh. Now, mind you, Mike is a grown ass man, right? So for for another grown ass man to come to his parents' house, like his mom starts flipping out. She's like, "Oh, Mike, which is not to get the got pasta." That's all I got. <laughs> starts flipping out, and he's like. Ma, if Yaya doesn't stay in the house anymore, I'm not living in the house anymore. Wow. And she, and she, she just like, she sold. And I'm like, bro, for real? He's like, no, no, trust me. It works every time. <laughs> so, so I stay. So I, long story short, I go into his room. And this is, this is kind of like my rock bottom moment, right? Because I'm, I'm lying on his bed, staring at the ceiling. And I'm thinking, yo, you're such a dumbass. Just go back and finish what you started. Mm-hmm. All this headache, all this. This was back in beginning of 2011. I dropped out in, in December 2010, and I'm, I'm like staying at my friend's house, like at the end of the 2010, beginning uh, 2011. And I'm just like, oh, man, let me just finish. And then Mike, he lies down next to me. It was a little awkward at first, but he was sitting down right next to me. And then he looks at me. And he's like, hey, man, I've been thinking about your situation. I think you should become like a motivational speaker and life coach for young people. Wow. And I look at him and I'm like, bro, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Come out. <laughs> and the reason why is because in my mind, I rationalized it. I was like, Who's, who in the world is going to listen to a 22-year-old college dropout give life advice? Mm-hmm. Right? I, I wouldn't listen to myself. But he's like, listen, you're a positive dude. You love helping people and you have a big ass mouth. You might as well just use it to your advantage. And I was like, okay, let me sleep on it. I slept on it. Next day, I went on Google if there's anything you get from my stories, like we live in an age where we have Google, like we're good. We can become super successful. I go on Google and I type in motivational speaking and life coaching programs. And after some research, I find two programs. One was called Youth Speaker University. And it was a guy named Josh Ship. He teaches, um, you know, speakers, uh, people who want to become speakers, te- talk to parents, teachers, students, how to build a successful career, a six-figure career in the education market. And the other guy, many of you know him, his name is Tony Robbins. Mm. All right. And he has a program called uh, Robbins Madonna's Training, his Center for Strategic Intervention. And so I look at both of the programs and the total of both programs was $9,000. Which you probably ha- did not have at that point. Dude, I had $50,000 of debt, no Ooh. job, no degree, 47 bucks total in my bank account, and I'm staying at my friend's house. Like, dude, like, there was no way I was going to afford that. And then I start, like, I like Tony Robbins, so I'm, I'm, like, on YouTube looking at some of his videos, and he has one video. It's titled Resources Versus Resourcefulness. And I watch it. And he basically talks about, he says, it's never about having the resources. It's, it's about whether you're resourceful enough to get what you want. Whether you have the money, it doesn't matter. Are you willing to burn your boats and take the island? 
Okay, like that's the key. And so I just said to myself, like, listen, if I'm at rock bottom, the only direction I got to go is up. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do whatever I can to get resourceful. So I started calling everybody that I knew. Like people who I haven't talked to in years and said, hey, I know we haven't talked to each other in like 20 years, but uh, look, I'm going to become a motivational speaker and life coach and I just need $9,000. Would you help me out? And then (laughs) boop, they'll all hang up. They'll all hang up. Uh, That's where I started learning how to cold call. Um, But two people believed in me and they said, hey, listen, go after it. Like this is your dream. And so I ended up raising like $4,000. I got a part-time job as a waiter then. And then I got a part-time job as a chiropractor's assistant. And uh, within one sh- within one year, I quit both of my jobs. I went full-time as both a speaker and coach. I was the youngest graduate in Tony Robbins coaching program. And I was, uh, I was student of the year. I won the t- student of the year award at U Speaker University. And then I became dean of students teaching other speakers how to build a career as speakers in the education market. Dang, that's so, unreal. Dude, it's crazy. Like I'm still I'm, I feel like I'm still living a dream doing what I do right now. It's, it's kind of like surreal because I had no business experience or anything like that. It was kind of like everything was just my gut and my heart and my instinct and my intuition just leading me uh, to where I am today. So let me you jump in here. I like I hope that everybody caught a few key things here. Number 1, you're on the path that most people wake up and find themselves on and that is doing something for somebody else, not for yourself. And you made the abrupt change so that your life turned out differently. That's number one I hope they caught on to. Number two, you got resourceful. Like you didn't have nine grand, but you knew that you needed to scrape it up in order to attend these things. And you got resourceful. And like you said, in this day and age with Google, anything is possible. There's no more excuses. Excuses are out the door. And so you look at your life today and you're crushing it. You're everywhere. Everybody I know talks about Yaya right now. You're, you're one of the <laughs> hot names out there. And none of that was, quote, written in the stars for you. So looking back on your life, what is your one piece of advice that you'd give to everybody else who just feels stuck and kind of where you were back then? um, Trust yourself. Trust yourself. I feel like like many people ask the wrong question. They, They ask how. Well, how am I supposed to do this? Well, how am I supposed to get the money? Don't ask that question, right? Ask instead of yourself, like, why is this important for you right now, right? Who would you be if you don't make this decision or who would you become if you do make this decision, mm. right? Like, that is the, that's the, the guiding compass for me. That's my true north. At the end of the day, like, I know that I'm the type of person, if I go all into something, I'll bet on myself and I'll figure out a way, period, point blank, mm-hmm. right? For, for anybody out, like, but not just me, but you, you right now, if you're in a, a state of hesitation, I, I just want you just like, you know, mesit- meditate, pray, like reflect for just a moment and then just take action and trust that if your heart can beat on its own, if your body can digest food on its own without your conscious or voluntary control, then you still have that animating intelligence within you, whatever you want to call it, that's guiding you. Instead of using just your intellect alone to navigate navigate uh, every single decision in your life, a lot like peel back a little bit, right? You like open up and and know that you're in the right place, even though you might not know if it's the right time. Like you'll figure it out. So tr- that's what I would say is is a trust yourself. Like confidence. The word confidence comes uh, from the root word federe, which means to trust or have faith in. Okay, so it's like. The trust needs you need to have faith in yourself or a higher power, whatever it is, what your belief system is. But just lean on that in the face of fear, 
because then you can leverage faith to guide you into that next stage or next chapter of your life. Whatever that decision you need to make, whether it's a career decision, a relationship decision, it doesn't really matter. Faith, at the end of the day, faith occurs with works. I don't know if we'll drop, but yeah. <laughs> literally a mic drop right there. That was a mic drop right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you mentioned confidence. I want to I want to go there for a minute. Obviously, you're one of the most confident individuals I've ever met. You coach people on confidence. Really, what you coach people on lately is, you know, presence from the stage, how to how to tell your story, how to sell, all that stuff. But all of that, the baseline is confidence. How does somebody who is kind of standing in fear right now, how do they become as confident as you? Wow, that's that's a really good question. Um, honestly, I didn't. I don't have a manual. Like I didn't have a manual about like confidence, right? It's like okay, step one, change your body language. Step two, have eye contact. Step three, you know, puff your chest. That to me is not confidence, right? I think real, genuine, authentic confidence comes from a grounded sense of self-esteem and self-worth, mm. right? Knowing your value, knowing that you are valuable because you exist. Mm. Right. Just like allowing your confidence to come from that place, not not from what you produce, not comparing your net worth to your self-worth and vice versa. Right. It's like knowing that when you walk in a room, regardless of how many followers you have, regardless of how many fans you have, regardless of how much money you make at the end of the day, can you do you love you? Do you care about you? And, and, and the reason why I can stand, like, remember how I was talking about pretending to be someone that you're not? Yep, for 25 years. For 25 years. I think for a lot of people, they're stuck pretending to be someone that they're not. And if they struggle with what other people think of them, they also struggle with pretending to be someone that they're not. Because when you are fully, unapologetically self-expressed, when you unconditionally love yourself, you're not worried about what other people think of you. That's true. You don't. Because you're putting yourself they, first, which some people think yeah. is selfish, but it's actually the hack. You will, you put I, I yourself say, first, show up as you, and everything else is just a detail. Right, and I, w- I would say the languaging for me is it's I'm not I'm self centered, not selfish. Mm. Meaning, like I center myself. I'm grounded in myself. I know that at the end of the day, regardless of what other pe- everybody can have an opinion of me, I have my own experience of myself. Right. So, so I know. So, and the reason why this, so, this is so strong, this doesn't happen. Like I wasn't born confident. Remember I lived a lie for, for 25 years pretending. And, and the, the way this happened, just to give you guys some context, I don't, I don't want to, to go off board here, but in 2013, one of my biggest dreams came true. And that was reuniting with my birth mother on national television in Thailand. Wow. I was looking for her for eight years on my own. And I wrote a letter that ended up going viral, uh, and it reached uh, a TV host um, in, in Thailand. And within one month, I ended up flying out my friends and, and my girlfriend, Kate, to Thailand. And I reunited with her. And it, it's, uh, it was a, such a beautiful experience, like a, amazing. Like it's one of the, the highlights of my life, to be honest. And uh, four months later, keep a long story short, four months later, I brought, I flew her out to come visit me in, in America, New Jersey. I got her a visa and the first five days, she's supposed to stay with us for 10 days. The first five days was amazing. On the fifth day, something I said triggered her and it was like something about a purse. And there's nothing like my stepmom asked about how much her Louis Vuitton purse was in Thailand because they're very, very expensive. And I didn't grow up with a lot of money. I grew up in Patterson, New Jersey, which was one of the most 
you know, like it's, it's a poor, it's a poor city mm -hmm. in New Jersey, you know? Um, and so my stepmom, both my stepmom and my mom were on good terms after I reunited and she just asked an innocent question. And I guess my mom got triggered. My biological mother got triggered by that. And, um, and long story short, she ended up ripping up the only baby picture I had of her and I threw it in my face and said, you're not my son. Ooh. And that just broke me. Like, mind you, this is the height of my career as a motivational speaker, as a life coach. And um, like before I did the pivot to public, you know, teaching others how to, you know, build an online business and coach professionally or speak professionally. When that happened, everything like broke down for me. And I, I like, I remember crying because I felt like, what did I do wrong? Like what, what, what was it that I did wrong? You know, because all I was, I wasn't the 25-year-old motivational speaking life coach. I was the five-year-old kid who just reunited with his mom, mm -hmm. you know. And so after that, you know, the motivational speaker in me came in. I was like, ah, everything happens for a reason. The grass is greener on the other side. You know, take your adversity into your advantage, yada, yada, yada. Like that, it almost happened prematurely, right? Mm -hmm. I had the right answers, the right thinking about how to reframe that situation. But the healing, I wasn't completely healed, so I just went on with my life, and, and a, few, a few months later, I proposed to Kate on my 10-year anniversary with her. Like, this was a dream come true. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start my family. It's going to be cool. Everything's going to be awesome. I proposed to Kate, and, uh, you know, this time, I'm, you know, I tell my dad about my relationship with Kate or whatever. He doesn't approve. I fly out to Florida where my dad is living at the time. You moved from New Jersey to Florida. And I thought as a son, the, the oldest brother of seven you know, brothers and sisters, it would be a good thing to invite my father and his wife and the family to my wedding. And so I go up to my dad and I say, hey, dad, um, I would, Kate and I would love to have you at our wedding. And he says, are you having a Muslim wedding or are you not? Oh. And I said at this time, you know, I still haven't told him about my spiritual beliefs or what have you. And I and I just said, um, no, we're just going to do it our own way. It's not going to be like a religious thing or anything like that. And he's like are you Muslim or are you not Muslim? And this was the first, like, at first, I'll be honest with you guys, I lied. I said, of course I'm Muslim. Like, why would I pray five times a day? Why would I fast during Ramadan? Of course I am. Um, and then I flew back to New Jersey, and for three days, I'm, like, crying my eyes out. And I'm just like, why does this have to happen to me? Like, why do I have to go through all this internally? Like, what did I do to deserve this? And I just got to a point where I got super exhausted pretending to be someone that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I called my father. I remember, I remember clear as day I called him and he was like, he was a little excited on the call. And I was like, Hey dad, I want to talk to you. I want to answer your question honestly about what you asked me when I was there. And I said, I'm not a Muslim the way that you want me to be a Muslim. If you want to call me a Muslim, you might as well call me like a Christian, a Hindu, a Jew, a Buddhist, um, because I, I don't necessarily believe in calling myself a nail. I believe in living with the virtues and the values and the principles that every religious leader lived by. Mm -hmm. And I want to embody it. And he just said, you're not my son. Wow. And he hangs up. And so that year in 2013, honestly, was, was the year that it really broke me down. And this is why when you asked me about confidence, I say, I say from a place of, from a place of experience that real com I've been, I've, I could fake confidence. That's the whole idea of faking confidence. Yeah. And that's not, that can lead to it like an addictive personality, right? Right, Where you're still seeking validation from, and the approval of others. I'm talking about genuine confidence, authentic confidence, where it comes from a place of value, where regardless of 
what other people think of you, whether those people are fans, followers, whether they're family, friends, doesn't really matter. It comes from a grounded and authentic place, knowing that you are enough, that you are valuable because you exist. I had to learn that. I had to learn that the hard way after about a year and a half of therapy, mm. despite the fact that I'm this motivational speaker who has a successful career and I'm a coach and I can help people transform their lives, I needed to like, you know, get a taste of my own medicine and realize like I needed help. And so that's, that's when I realized like, you know, number one, I'm on, I'm on, on my life, I'm on a mission to do three things. Number one, help you become unapologetically self-expressed because in order for you to do that, you need to let people know where you stand and who you are, regardless of what they think of you. Number two, help you unconditionally love yourself because uh, if you don't love you, no one else will. Yep. You know, and, and number three, help you do what you love to do while living life on your terms, because your life has value and that value can change more lives than you can ever imagine. And if you can master the first two principles, then the value and the confidence and everything and how to charge what you're worth, how to share your story, how to do all that kind of stuff, that's going to be a byproduct of the internal work that you have done on yourself and with yourself. Oh man, so good. Listen, in your story, you keep talking about not only your stu your very diverse study of all the religions, right? You yeah. read the Quran and, and the Bible and everything else, but also just the big role that it's played. Now, one yeah. thing, obviously, the show is called For the Love of Money. One of the mm -hmm. things where people get hung up when it comes to their money mindset is their <laughs> religious beliefs. So being that you've studied so many of them in depth, how yeah. has that had an effect on your money mindset? How do you view yeah. money? You know what? I was a self-righteous person back in the day, and I thought money was the root of all evil. Initially, and I grew up with a scarcity mindset because of the environment that I grew up in. But the more experience that I have now, and the more the more I'm able to pay things forward, here's what I believe wholeheartedly: the more income you make, the more impact you'll have. You know, I feel like genuinely, money makes you more of who you already are. You know, so if you're a naturally good person, then I hope I hope you pray, I hope you I hope you do whatever you do in order to make more money because the world can benefit with someone in your leadership that can impact more lives. The world can benefit with someone like you that can impact more lives. And so, like, I I feel there are different schools of thought when it comes to money, and I feel like you know the love. It could be like the um, it's not even the, the love of money. It's like the worship of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you if, if money defines your existence and your entire reality, it's like the end all be all. That's when it can become dangerous for you. Yep. You know, that's where you can lose yourself. I think the intent behind all these amazing religious leaders and, and, and spiritual truths and thoughts out there is that like you are so much more. You are so much more than what can find you in the material world. Don't let it define you, but but use it as a vehicle to impact the world, to create heaven on earth, right? Like use that. And I feel like you know if people were in a position where they had more money, and, and regardless of what their you know their beliefs are, their limiting beliefs, the scarcity mindset, and all that kind of stuff, if you can get over that, I promise you, I promise you, not only will you be happier, in my opinion, because you're making a bigger impact, but the world. The world in general, because of your leadership and because of your ability to go out there and say, hey, I own, I love money because of what it does for people. It's not I love money because of how I look in front of others. Yes. Oh, my God. I That's love that. Difference. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that. So a couple more things. When we've been chatting in a mastermind, you mentioned that you have two main intentions for this year. Do you mind sharing those with everyone? 
Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, so I transitioned completely from speaking, uh, you know, in the education market. Now I'm helping other experts, influencers, thought leaders, speakers, you know, become world-class speakers and leaders in their niche, you know, so they can share their story and, and do it in a powerful way. So my two intentions this year was, is to kind of like grow the tool of my social media platform to amplify my message. So, um, you know, for anybody who's interested in the work that I'm doing or, or you know, you're, I'm doing a 365 video a day challenge, which is super challenging. But I guess that's why they call it a challenge. And hey, you're doing but it right it, now, right? I'm doing it right now. Every single day, I upload one video a day. Um, and uh, and so for those of you who are interested in you know supporting me, or maybe I, if there's any other way I can support you, you can find me on Instagram or on Facebook. I'm, I'm usually very conversational. I like to reach out to you guys and uh, get to know my people. Um, and you can follow me on at Yaya Bakar, and that's Y A H Y A B as in boy A K K A R. So that's at Yaya Bakar. And for those of you, we didn't really get to talk much about it, but I've benefited over. I've been speaking professionally now for almost a decade, and speaking to you know biggest audience I've ever spoken to was ten thousand students, um, and I've, I've learned to master the art and the business and the craft of speaking and storytelling and even selling from stage. And so for anybody. Who uh, who's interested in learning more on, on how to become a world class speaker? Or you know, one th one thing that I, I will say, and, I, and I'll, I'll I'll add more value here is my name in Arabic means alive. Mm. And one of the things that I, I try my best to live up to my name, but more importantly, help my clients become more alive in how they show up on stage or in person or in, in their relationships. And so for me, the acronym ALIVE, A-L-I-V-E, stands for are you authentic? Are you real, genuine, are you raw? Are you L, likable, right? Are you, are, do you like yourself enough that you know, you, you know, people like you, the right people like you, your audience like you? Are you I, influential? Do you have a positive message that can really inspire and impact an audience and people in a positive direction? Right. And are you V? Are you vulnerable? You know, can you wear your heart on your sleeve and, you know, own your imperfections because your imperfections really make you influential? And are you E empathetic? You know, can you put yourself in another person's shoes? Can you can you really see what their problems or pain points are? And that's that. And in a nutshell is going to help you become more alive. And so I, I talk more about this and I go I dive deep into how you can become more alive uh, with a five-step blueprint um, to become a world-class speaker. If you guys want access to that, it's completely for free, and it's my gift to you. And it's uh, Go to worldclassspeaker.com forward slash blueprint. And I was going to say, let's go there a little bit because here's what's funny. We've had such a great conversation up to this point. It's been, what, 42 minutes already. And wow. the entire wow. I know, right? The entire purpose <laughs> of getting you on was actually wanted a few tips on being a more confident, better presenter, whether you're selling from stage or being on stage. So let's go there quick. Do you mind? Yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no. Let's just do it. I love this. Is, this is what I'm. This is what I'm here. I'm alive for this purpose. I know. Um, it took us a while to get to it, but hey, it was all good stuff. So let me ask you this: If you had three things that yeah. would change the way somebody presents themselves, I don't care if it's a one-on-one yeah. -on -one sale, if it's being on stage, whatever. Like, if you could empower all of us by giving us three things, what would they be? Yeah. Okay. Number one, don't always talk about yourself. Use your story in service to your audience. Okay, so depending, if you know what the outcome is 
for your, your audience and where you want them to go, then reverse engineer by saying what stories can I share or should I share that will be most relevant to the ideal person that I want to speak to. Mm. You know, um, number two, master the story proof framework. Okay, the story proof framework is something that I teach all my clients and you, you guys will get this in the blueprint. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's I, for short, I call it the five P's, right? Person, problem, perspective, process, and then promise, okay? Who's the person that you're really speaking to? When you get up on stage or you get on camera, you're not speaking to a thousand people, a hundred people. You're speaking to that, your message, your stories for that one person in that audience. Speak to them only, okay? So when you speak to them, the, the more polarizing your, your message becomes, the more universal it becomes for the right people, okay? So that's number one. Number, uh, number two, problem. Uh, what is the big problem that you're solving for them, right? Get like... You want to enter the conversation in their heads, right? So if they're struggling with something, get to know who, what that person's biggest problems are and speak to them. Uh, then, then after you identify who that person is in your mind and maybe you acknowledge it on, your, on a speech or uh, on stage and you get really clear with what the problem is, then you can share your perspective. Your perspective can come in the form of your own story because it ha you have your own experience and that provides it a perspective or it could be a, a story of someone that you care about. It doesn't have to be your own story. So if you don't have a rags to riches story, if you don't have a struggle to success story, you can use a story of someone that you care about who could relate to that person who has that problem. So this is where you offer that perspective that can change their paradigm, right? Change their mind. Uh, and then once they see and they trust you as the, the leader, the authority, the guy that's offering that perspective that can relate to them and you can connect with them on an emotional level, then you share your process. This is where the content comes in. This is where the, uh, you know, the, 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 the program or the plan or the how-to or the three steps or whatever it is that you, you want to share, this is where it comes in. Most people, they say content is king. I disagree. I think content is the knight. Connection is king, mm. right? And queen. So if you lead with connection first, which the three P's help you do that, then you can share your process and establish the content. And then after you share your process, then you share the promise. What are they going to benefit from by adopting your perspective and your process, right? Where are they going to go? What is their promised land? What is the outcome that they want to buy into? This, in a nutshell, is a story-proof framework. And you can remember it by the five P's. Again, it's all in the five-step blueprint to become a world-class speaker. Uh, I think it's in uh, step uh, step number one. We talk about the story-proof framework. So I, this is just a great way, whether you're doing a one-minute video, a five-minute video, whether you're doing a 60-minute speech, it's just a great framework just to have, just so you know. Like uh, I see a lot of speakers you know, people who are, who are just starting out, amateur speakers, they just go into talking about themselves with their story. And I never do that, especially on stage. Um, I only would encourage that if a person is inviting you to talk about your story. Oh man. Right. So, so anyway, that, that's, and, and then the whole thing about alive, let me just put it this way. As a speaker, people talk about stage presence and all that kind of stuff. If you're authentic, if you're likable, if you're influential, if you're vulnerable, if you're empathetic, your body language, your eye contact, your vocal tonality, that becomes a byproduct. It's not like I'm not a big fan of trying to memorize a script. My whole philosophy is dish the script and embody your message, meaning that there is a level of truth that's inside of you right now that is wait, waiting to be unearthed, that's brought out of you. 
right? My job as a coach is to figure out what that is in service to the right people who's, who are part of your tribe, who are part of your environment, your worldview, right? So, and if you're not alive, here's what you are. You're dead to your audience, D-E-A-D. Disappointing, embarrassing, annoying, and dreadful to watch and listen to Dang. on camera, on stage. So, like, that's the key thing. Many people think, oh, in order for me to to become a better speaker, in order for me to tell my story, uh, I have to like memorize the script and I have to memorize everything word for word. But guess what you're doing? All you're doing is getting stuck in your head. Then you're becoming robotic and you remove the soul, the heart of who you are, right? And so, like, you can have some bullet points, but make sure you just bring the truth, the essence of who you are in service to your ideal clients or to your audience. And every like you will be one of the most attractive, charismatic, magnetic leaders and speakers out there. Not by trying to be someone that you're not, but by being who you always were. Man, that's good. Another mic drop. I love it. You're offering so much freaking value to everybody. I want oh, to, you. we're coming to the last couple of minutes here, but I really want to make sure I ask you a couple of questions I ask everybody. And one of them has everything to do with what the show is about. And we're coming full circle to one of your rapid fire answers. And mm -hmm. that is, what is one of your all time favorite moments of giving now that you're such a successful individual? Wow. Um, and I don't know if it's the three grand you gave to someone on the street recently or, or what no, it might be. You know what? Honestly, I think I think this is this is just my perspective of it. I feel like in the environment that I grew up in with a lack of role models, um, my right now at this stage of my development, personal and professional, the best way that I can give back to others is by, by being a living and breathing example of what's possible for not just my professional life, but for my personal life. Uh, one of the, the most powerful things that I've gotten being the oldest of seven brothers and sisters is my younger brothers and sisters, they know my story. They know what I've went through. They've gone through something very, very similar to me. And for them to see me like live the life that I'm living now as an ex as one example, not a perfect example, perfectly imperfect example, but of what's possible. Like what I'm seeing is legacies that are being created and and patterns, dysfunctional patterns are being broken down simply by doing that. So that's my way of giving back to humanity because I want to create, you know, more role models out there, uh, both female and male of, of what's possible. So that's my way, my, 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 my living, breathing, walking example is the best way I can give back to others at this moment in my life. Man, I love it. And the last question is this, why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of success and wealth? <laughs> because it's exhausting. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is. Isn't it funny? It's actually worse to hold back, isn't it? it? Honestly, both personally and professionally, it's it's walking on eggshells, right? Trying to win the acceptance and approval of anybody else is just exhausting. The sooner the sooner you can just like rip off the bandaid, the faster you'll be happier. And I know in hindsight, if somebody told me that when I was going through my deep depression of being abandoned and disowned by both my birth parents, I'd be like, hey, shut up. You don't know what I'm going through, right? But it's true. It's true. So the sooner you can become unapologetically self-expressed and pursue what makes you come alive, with or without the approval of anybody else around you, I promise you the world is going to be a better place because of it. And I am living proof. Yes, dude, you are certainly oh, living you. proof. We appreciate you for it. You know, in the short yeah. time I've known you, I, I just really look forward to the friendship that we are building. And please know that you inspire Lori and I every single day with the pace that you set and the big things you're doing. 
Thank you so much. That means the world. And and, and hey, I, I just got to say, I, I love you and Lori for what you guys do. And not just what you do, but who you both show up as and who you are. Like, you guys are so inspiring to me. And I'm sure for everybody else who's listening to this, like, I'm so glad that there are people who are listening to your podcast, both of your work, every single day, because you're, you're paying it forward. And, and you're not just talk. You're, you're walking it. And I admire people like that. And I'm, I'm just honored to be here in your presence as well. So thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's fun. You know what? It's fun to light this world up together. Yes, absolutely. 100%. All right, brother. Love you, man. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.